I love a good mystery, and so does everyone else. In fact, everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. I know that our listeners will absolutely love this game because you are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder, and you're becoming a detective. You're looking for clues, and each scene will lead you to a new thrilling storyline. This is a great way to engage your observation skills to uncover key pieces of information that lead you on to many chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. Right now, I'm in the process of interviewing family members, and this is bringing me back, just so you know, to my days in law enforcement, and I'm having such a blast with it because it is so much more lighthearted, but it also has the mystery of where will this take me? You can even chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. Megan, I think we should join a detective club together. We've got this. (laughs) Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. It has been nearly three years since this five-year-old vanished from a New Jersey park while playing with her younger brother. But in a community that has a strong distrust of authorities, would her family get any answers? This is the Dulce Maria Alavez story. As always, it's great to see you, Megan. Always great, Amy. We look forward to these days together. Megan, today's case is a New Jersey case. Have you heard of this? Nope. All right. Excellent. So the reason why I chose this case for two reasons. Number one, it's an unsolved case about a child who's missing. Oh. Number two, I read something that said some really nasty things about the mother of this child. So I was like, oh, there must be evidence against this mother. And then I read into it and so, well, actually, there's no evidence that is that I see against this mother. So this is one of those cases where a woman is unfairly targeted. Well, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm going to reserve my opinion until I hear the facts of your case. Dulce Maria Alaves was born on April 25th, 2014, and lived in Bridgeton, New Jersey. Do you know Bridgeton? You know, after all these years of working and living in Jersey, I still don't know Jersey, all of Jersey. Well, there's so many towns. So yeah. this is about 45 minutes south of Philly. Oh, okay. So it's a small rural community. Okay. It's in Cumberland County. So right. it's it's far down there. Yeah. 
Now, Dulce lived with her mother, Noema Alaves Perez, and her father, Edgar Perez, were together for a couple of years. But in 2018, her father was deported back to Mexico. But he was very involved in her life prior to that. I don't believe the parents were ever married, but they worked together well. as, As far as I understand it, they, you know, they both cared for Dulce. Dulce was described in an interview by her mother as being a sweet girl, nice, loving, you know, sounds like a typical kid. She liked to pretend she was a princess. Than just a normal, you know, spunky five-year-old little girl. On September 16th, 2019, Noema, who was pregnant with her third child, decided she wanted to entertain her children with a trip to a nearby park. Okay. So at about 4 p.m., they stopped at a Sunoco gas station to get the children ice cream. You know okay. how they have like a little mini mart. Of course. So on this trip were five-year-old Dulce, her three-year-old brother, and also Noema's eight-year-old sister, who was the child's aunt. Oh, wow. They were close in age. How old was Noema? She was only 19 at this time. Oh, she was young. Yeah. She had Dulce, I believe, when she was 13. So a lot of reports incorrectly state that this eight-year-old child was Dulce's older sister, but she was not, in fact, her older sister, nor was she a cousin. She was the child's aunt. Okay. So again, they stopped to get ice cream. They head to Bridgeton City Park. Now, this park was located behind Bridgeton High School Mm -hmm. and covered about a thousand acres in the area basketball courts, swings. So when the group got to the park, Dulce and her brother ran out of the car to go play on the swings while Noema stayed in the car to help her sister, the eight-year-old girl, with her homework. And she was also scratching a lottery ticket that she had purchased at that mart where they stopped for ice cream. Okay. Now you can see the playground from the car. It was about 30 yards away, which is 90 feet. So not, you know, not that far, but you could not see all of the playground. There were the swings there was kind of like a hill in front of it and you could see online. So there was a small hill in front of the swings. So from where Noema parked, you you didn't have a direct line of sight to there. Mm. Noema claims the children were out of sight for about five to 10 minutes or so. And after not seeing them, her and her sister walked down to the playground from the car to go check on them. How old is Dulce's brother? Three years old. Okay. Wow, that's young. They went down to the park and they found Dulce's brother standing by himself and he was crying and his ice cream had fallen on the floor. And when they asked where his sister went, he only pointed to a cluster of buildings. Now, they're kind of like more like maintenance sheds that you would see in a park. Noema says her three-year-old did not know how to speak at the time, so he couldn't really give her any information. But it was clear that he didn't know where his sister was, and he was upset. Were there other kids on the playground? Noema didn't see anyone else in the park, but there were some girls on a nearby basketball court, Mm -hmm. probably about 10 years old or so. Now, Noema says at first she just thought her daughter was playing hide-and-go-seek, so she walked up and down some paths. She looked behind the buildings, calling her daughter's name. She also asked the girls on the basketball court if they had seen anything. Mm -hmm. One said that she saw a black man passing by when Dulce went behind the buildings, and another said that they saw a red van nearby at that time, too. So at this point, Noema's getting kind of frantic. Mm -hmm. She calls 911. Let's take a quick listen. 911, where's your emergency? Um, I can't find my daughter. Okay, when was the last time you seen her? We were there at the park, and people said that somebody, probably somebody took her. Okay. How old is she? She's five years old. Okay, and what park are you at? Here in Brixton Park. Okay, where at in the Brixton Park are you? Um, the one with the basketball court where high school is. Okay, so you're at the basketball courts behind the high school? Yes. Okay. And uh, what was she seen last wearing? She was wearing, um, um, give me a second. Do you play with the on the dance in the weekday? 
don't remember what clothes she was wearing, but she was wearing, I just remember her pants. She was wearing like a flower, flowery pants and some heels, some white heels. Okay. Hi, ma'am. Stay in line. I'm going to over to the police, okay? And you said she was five, correct? Yes. All right. Hello, ma'am? Hello. Hi, did you see which direction your child went? No, um, we were in the car soon. She came down with my son. They were running to the park, and then me and my sister, we came down. So when, when, when we got here at the park, she wasn't here. They, they said that my son was just crying with his ice cream. Because uh, somebody um, threw his ice cream in the floor, and my daughter just ran away. All right. You didn't see anyone else around there that she could possibly have went with? No, not no that I know of. Because we didn't saw no one. There's just some other people that they're here that said that they saw her running, running through um through some houses in the back. And they they said that they saw two per they saw two men. They saw a black guy and they saw so who's, who's, a Mexican who's man with who's two kids. That they, who's saying that they saw them? Because there's people here in the basketball court that they saw her. They said that they saw her running. They're saying that there's people there at the basketball court that they saw her running through some houses with two black males. She's light-skinned Spanish. What color top does she have on? Um, I don't remember. Okay. Are you at the basketball court? Yes, I'm right here right now. She's That's affirmed. She says that she's at the basketball court. And do you have your son with you, or is your son? No, I have my son with me. They say um, he was crying when we found him. He was just standing there crying. Oh, he was standing there crying. So who? You said that the black males took his ice cream. No, they um they threw it in the floor. They so had the, threw the, it in the floor. So the two males took his took his ice cream and threw it on the floor, and then they left with your daughter. Probably because I didn't saw it. When we came and looked for her, we were looking everywhere for her. She said and we that couldn't her find son her. was at the basketball court with her daughter, that there was two black males that took her son's ice cream and threw it on the ground and left with her daughter. Okay, well, we have the officers. She's at the basketball court on Mayor Aiken. Are you on Mayor Aiken? Um, I already have an officer here. Okay. All right, we'll speak with the police, ma'am, okay? Okay, so that's the 911 call. And like every 911 call, people scrutinized this call. We're not in the business of doing that, right? No. But is anything anything you want to talk about, though, in the call? I think that people are probably like, how did she not know what her daughter was wearing, if I had to guess? But she was also like, at that moment, mm-hmm. I think people should realize, like, she probably was, her brain was scattered, right? And she was panicked and probably just couldn't remember. Yeah. So, And we'll talk about what the child was actually wearing. And it's not that it was so far off, but the white heels. like that's a, I was thinking he, white heels on a playground. So she wasn't actually, I mean, she's only five. She wasn't wearing heels. They yeah. were like a sandal with like a little oh, thing on the, it. They were the cute. Little, you know? Like a wedge thing. or Kind little... of, even smaller than that. Oh, but it, okay. Either way, she was wearing pants that had flowers, but they were black and white checkered. But okay, so police arrived. They started processing the scene. Megan, what do you think the first thing the police should be doing in this type of scenario? Well, nowadays, the Amber Alert. Yeah, they should be sending out an Amber Alert immediately, immediately. I would think. Well, that, that was only a couple of years ago. Well, 
It wasn't until the next day, about 30 hours after the abduction, that an Amber Alert was sent out. Now, many people criticize the time that this took, and I would have to agree. I agree. Do you see any scenario where waiting maybe could have been better? No. I don't think so either. No. Let's talk about Amber Alerts just for a minute. All right. So it's actually called the Amber Plan, and it's commonly known as the Amber Alert, but it's mm-hmm. actually called the Amber Plan. Mm-hmm. This was created in 1996 in response to the tragic case in Texas when nine-year-old Amber Hagerman Hagerman was kidnapped while riding her bicycle Mm -hmm. and brutally murdered. Now, the tragedy, of course, shocked and outraged the community. And it was actually the residents who contacted radio stations in the area and suggested that they broadcast, you know, a special alert over the airways. Right. So in response to the community's concern for the safety of children, there was an association of radio managers that teamed up with local law enforcement and developed this early warning system. Mm-hmm. Statistics show that when abducted, a child's greatest enemy is the passage of time. Yep. Right. Do you have any idea um, what they, you know? It's very quick. I know that it's something like um, if you don't find them within like the first six hours or eight hours, the chances go down substantially. Yeah. So it's interesting. One statistic I found that I was actually surprised by is that most missing children are found like 99 point something, because most missing children, especially between the age of 11 and 15, are either runaways or lost and they're recovered. Or it's a family abduction. Exactly. And actually of non-family abductions, there's only 20% that are found deceased. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's a lot of children, but I think people think the numbers are higher. Of course they do, because uh, the cases that are featured are the, you know, the, the most extreme cases. So that's, you know, it's like the stranger danger phenomenon. Yeah. And one there was one study I looked at when you look at cases of abducted children who were, in fact, murdered. Seventy six percent of these cases, the child was deceased within three hours. Yeah. And in over 88 percent, it was within 24 hours. So, yeah. I mean. If a child's in a van and they said, you know, this van took her, that's a, you know, figure a mile a minute. Every minute that child is getting a mile further from where she was taken. When they're abducted by strangers, it's usually going to be for, you know, unfortunately a sexual assault and then a murder is almost always going to follow in that scenario. So it is going to happen within hours. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the Amber Alert, you know, there's a lot of variation in the implementation of these alerts. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about what what the criteria is in New Jersey, Oh, because people were, like I said, very critical of the fact that it took so long for the Amber Alert to go out and this van could be in another state by then, right? Of course. Okay, so in New Jersey, the alert is intended to be issued when there is reason to believe that a child has been abducted and may be in danger of death or serious bodily injury. Now, the point is, it's not intended for all missing child incidents, Mm -hmm. such as runaways, child custody situations. Mm And it's up to law enforcement to make the call to make sure it's used appropriately. And I understand because if we use it too much, it'll be like the boy who cried wolf and it would lose public confidence, right? I agree, but this is the case for which it was designed. This is a potential stranger abduction. Well, is it? We don't know because the police at the beginning, you know, they don't know if it was a custody dispute or, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. That's what some people would say. The police weren't quick to do it because they knew that as we'll talk about in a moment, that Dulce's father and mother were not together. Who knows? It could be custody. On the surface, it seems like a stranger abduction, and I think they should err on the side of caution and put that Amber Alert I 100% agree. The system's designed to be first response, but I think it failed in this case. Yeah. The alert that eventually did go out included Dulce's description as well as who they think is a person of interest. The thin-framed, light-skinned Hispanic man wearing orange sneakers, red pants, black shirt. Now, it's unclear where this description came from, but remember, it was also reported that it was an African-American man earlier, and I don't know where they got this. It seems like the only place it could have come from is the girls on the basketball courts because Mm -hmm. they were the only ones who saw anything. Now, the alert described him as a suspect, but the police 
would say that they just wanted to talk to this person because he might be a possible witness. We see this all the time, right? Right. The police don't want to scare off someone. Right. But it scares people off anyway. Yes. Now, police, their initial theory was that while playing on the swing set with her brother, Dulce was somehow lured into a red van. Now, this red van had sliding passenger doors and tinted windows. One report says a man waved her over and she went, which could maybe be an indication that she knew her abductor or, again, she was lured by something. Right. I mean, I think this is just speculation. It's Mm -hmm. unclear what people saw. There was also another description that said Dulce was placed in the back seat behind the passenger seat. Like she was sitting in the car and like belted in like and someone saw her How actually would... leaving. Oh, okay. I see. So that was reported by but but not substantiated. Not that I could find. Got that it. doesn't mean it's not behind the scenes. Okay. You know, the police are doing their job. They were interviewing locals. They were releasing, you know, pictures of Dulce. They even started like draining a waterway. Like they were mm-hmm. going fast. They were looking in wooded areas. And the community sprung into action. Many local businesses even donated money. Mm. Like it was like an all hands on deck. People from nearby communities came over to help search. Some people flew drones over the park, hoping that, you know, the little girl just wandered off and they would find her. Mm -hmm. There was also a huge candlelight vigil that was held at the park. Uh, Massive posters with her face posted all over the community and neighboring communities. But unfortunately, other than the description that we mentioned earlier, there were zero leads in the case. As far as I could tell, there were no cameras at the park Mm -hmm. and local surveillance from other businesses and homes in the area didn't pick up anything. And there were no direct eyewitnesses other than Dulce's brother because the girls on the court didn't actually see an abduction right? as far as I know. But then we have these other people saying she was seen getting into a van. So it's very, you know, it's kind of seems like contradictory statements here. So nothing really happens. About five months after the disappearance, anonymous letters were sent to two businesses and a library in Ohio. About what? Referencing, you know, the missing girl. And we have no idea what the actual contents of the letter were, but the contents of the letter prompted a search of a wooded area using dogs and drones, but nothing was ever found. Then another set of letters were sent to the family spokesperson who reported receiving a letter. Now, this one was postmarked. The other ones were not. This one was postmarked Cleveland, Ohio, and it contained seven slips of paper that really just had a bunch of scribbled phrases. Some of the words that she was able to make out, because again, it was barely legible. The words Alaska, Mexico, border, 1776, Civil War, New England town, kids orphanage. I don't even understand what's happening. So this could just be someone trying to insert themselves. It sounds like a bunch of just mumbled words. It doesn't seem to make sense. Along with these letters, which never went anywhere, there were some suggestions from a local psychic because we hear this happens before. And because of the psychic's tips, there was a search in a field behind Dulce's school, some other searches in other areas, but nothing was found. There were some other tips, but everything led, you know, dead end. Now, Dulce's mother, Noema, was intensely scrutinized by the media. Oh, I had a feeling that was coming. Yeah. And actually, many people would say she was even harassed through the use of like racist remarks. Wow. So online critics, because, uh, you know, this, this was big on social media, like most things. Online critics had attacked her for um, not being a fit parent. One comment even going as far as saying in her culture, they don't watch their kids. That's awful. It's awful. And then in another post, well, another series of posts, people were criticizing her for eating a slice of pizza while community members searched for Dulce. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, everyone has to eat, regardless of if your kid's missing or not. Like, 
at some point you have to eat. Of course. It seems like there's a lot of criticism, but she also had a lot of support, you're saying. A lot of people sprung into action to help. Oh, people are springing into action to, to help, help Dulce. But Okay, got it. Yeah, because a five-year-old little girl is missing. Unfortunately, in the court of public opinion, whether or not people looked at her as a suspect, they yeah. looked at her as it's her fault because she wasn't watching her child. Right. Which I think is totally unfair. I mean, you have kids. When you go to the park, uh, Like, let's be honest, do you keep your eye on them 100% of the time? No, to be honest, I don't know that I would stay in the car if they're three and five, right. but I've been on a bench chatting with someone else and right. I don't have my eyes on them the right. whole time. Right. So, you know, I can't fault her. And I don't know what this neighborhood was like if she felt like safe leaving her kids to run off. I don't, I don't know the dynamics, right. right? Remember that spokesperson I mentioned who received those strange letters? Yes. Well, in April of 2021, she decided she was no longer going to be the spokesperson for the family because she said that Dulce's mother was displaying a troubling lack of emotion and a lack of motivation for finding her daughter. So she okay. like totally went from supporting the family to kind of doing complete 180. Now, the family spokesperson, she said that Dulce's grandmother, who was Noema's mother, often had to be convinced to speak on her daughter's behalf. Because, you know, this person was trying to help the family get in front of the media. Mm -hmm. And the family was kind of like not really interested. They had to be persuaded to speak publicly. Well, maybe it's also in response to the criticism that they were taking that they, you know what I mean? Being harassed. They didn't want to be in front of the media. I mean, there's also a big language barrier. I was going to say that next. There's shyness. There's possible past trauma. Yeah. There's grief. There's guilt. Yep. I mean, I don't think it's really fair to be judging these people. But again, we don't know what she knows. Right. So, right. you know. She further stated that she suspected since the first day of the search that Dulce's mother knew more about the disappearance than she was letting on because she is scared. So again, I don't know if she knows more than we know or if she's just speculating. But again, we're not in the business of gossiping. So I don't think we should spend much time speculating here because as far as I've seen, there is no known evidence of Noema's involvement. And we have no clue what happened between this woman and, the Dul and Dulce's family. Absolutely. Now, Noema, although she's been kind of quiet, she has done a few interviews. Oh, okay. She was actually on, remember Mike Morford? Yes. He has a podcast called Missing Persons and he interviewed her, which I thought was super interesting. She also gave an interview with Dr. Phil. Oh. Now this I did not like. This oh. interview rubbed me the wrong way. How come? So Dr. Dr. Phil, who, by the way, I don't believe is even a doctor, but he asked Noema if she was involved in Dulce's disappearance and whether she had sold her what? Or, or knew who had her. So he like creates this narrative, which the public then runs with and people start thinking, oh, that's what happened is she sold her daughter. Oh. And, you know, she says no. She does a very simple no. Now, people didn't like these interviews because she had one word answers and she came across as very quiet shy and kind of like lack of emotion, which Dr. Phil even noted that she had a lack of emotion. So for example, he would say, and this was the same on Mike Morford's interview. Do you know what happened to your daughter? No. Have the police told you anything? No. Like it's just very. Right. And if you asked, like, I guess the expectation, like if someone asked you if you sold your child, I imagine you'd be like, have a really strong response. Like absolutely not. How could you, you know, yeah. say that? So I guess they were looking for more of a guttural reaction. But again, that guttural, I mean, that could be fake anyway. It, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. You just cannot judge someone on their affect. No. And she was also asked straight out. If you were to guess, what do you think happened? And she thinks maybe an old friend may have her daughter. So there was this man that she saw sometime before the abduction, and she was with her daughter. You know, I don't know if this is a friend, an acquaintance. He asked who Dulce was, and she said, that's my daughter. And this guy tried to date her, and she rejected him. 
So she thinks, you know, if she had to pick someone, maybe he was like trying to get revenge on her for not wanting to date him. Who knows? I mean, what's well, because they put you, again, you, the question kind of forces her into an answer when she if, yeah. of the unknown. She has to speculate. Yeah. And when she was interrogated by the or questioned, she was never an actual suspect. When she was questioned by the police, they said, think hard. Think of anyone like right. who could have done this. So as a result of that, you're racking your brain. And oh, if yeah. that's the only person you've come across in right. the last week that right. isn't part of your normal routine, of course, that's going to stick out mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. So, you know, I think people held on to that. I have no clue what this man's name was. I don't know if he was ever interviewed or investigated by the police, but I, I can't imagine that he wasn't investigated right. at the very least. She also um, did take a polygraph, but she says that they never told her the results. I would imagine she passed because we would have heard otherwise. I think so. <laughs> yeah. So this case is pretty recent. It's only like two and a half years old. Yeah. And it is very much active, but the police are struggling to get any information. Now, I don't know if I mentioned this, but the area they live in is made up of primarily uh, Latino immigrants. Any reason you could think of why the police might be having trouble getting information from the community? Because the community is fearful of um, deportation and so they won't talk to the authorities. Yes. And, you know, we know under recent administrations, you know, ICE really cracked down. And when we have tougher immigration policies and tactics, law it's hard for law enforcement to develop trust with the community and really do their job. You know, this becomes pretty problematic. Right. So the investigation itself has heightened fears among residents in that area. Yeah. Residents don't want to come forward with tips to the police because they fear that it'll put them on ICE's radar. Mm -hmm. And I think they have every reason to feel this way because at one point early on, Noema's boyfriend, a man by the name of Edgar Martinez Santiago, he was a Mexican citizen and he mm -hmm. was arrested by ICE, but he was later released. But this sends the message that like ICE is involved. And if you recall, Dulce's father was deported a few years earlier right, or, or right. just a year. Actually, his her father was deported about a year before this. So there's reason for the community to be concerned. Maybe there wasn't reason for them to suspect a custody issue if her father was deported, though. Sorry, that's just something. I'm well, they were able to rule him out quickly. Well, not quick enough because 30 hours passed. I'm saying back, going back to the Amber Alert. Yeah. They should have been able to quickly determine he's been deported. They it's might not have. a custody issue. But I feel like that maybe it took them 30 hours. to. I don't, I don't know. That doesn't, it doesn't seem It that doesn't right. sit well with me. I think like knowing that and knowing that quick enough should have, they should have sprung into action sooner on the Amber Alert. I agree. A spokesperson for the local police in Bridgeton. Mm-hmm. They had tried to assure the community by putting out a statement that ICE does not target witnesses. Mm -hmm. ICE encourages undocumented immigrants to cooperate with local, state, and federal authorities without fear of reprisal. So they're really trying to mend their ties with the local community. Mm, that's very hard. Even the Police Athletic League introduced a soccer program, hoping it would help foster trust between police and community. You know, and they're offering like free classes for parents. You know, it's a lot of this community policing stuff that we I mean, talk about. That's great because that I, I will say that on a positive note, that's nice that they're trying to do community policing in the real way that it was intended to be done. Yeah, but it might be too little too late. I think so, too. This brings up a really important conversation because should courts be a sanctuary the way that schools, hospitals and places of worship are, meaning that people who are illegal, they can feel safe in these places without fearing that ICE is going to come in. Because you wouldn't want people who are sick to be scared to go to the hospital. Right. right? So we have these sanctuaries. Right. Now, this becomes an issue in domestic abuse cases. There, there have been several cases where women who were the victims of domestic abuse did not come forward because they were illegally in the United States and their husbands or partners knew this. Yeah. You know, they would exploit that. Absolutely. So I think it's important that we point out 
the issue with this. So Megan, do you have any ideas of how, you know, of how we can balance ICE's mission and what they need to get done with the fact that we want people who are victims and people who have information about crimes to feel safe enough to come forward in cases like this? I think it would have to be what you referenced earlier and that we have to give immunity to people. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what, or short of changing immigration policy, which I probably would anyway, mm -hmm. if that's not on the table, then we have to give some type of immunity so that people are not afraid to come forward. Okay, so where does this leave us with this case? Well, Oof, not anywhere good, no, it seems so like. In September of 2021, the Center for Missing and Exploited Children produced an age progression image that shows what Dulce may look like now as a seven-year-old. Okay. Around this time, the Bridgeton police also made an official statement on the case saying, quote, we hold that hope that Dulce is alive as we have no evidence of her demise. We want the public to know that this case will remain open until such time as we locate Dulce and determine those who are responsible for her disappearance. They're taking this very serious. There's a multi-agency effort to find mm -hmm. Dulce. You have the Cumberland County Prosecutor's Office, the Bridgeton Police, mm -hmm. New Jersey State Police, mm -hmm. New Jersey Division of Criminal Justice, the FBI, and the Department of Homeland Security. That's and a lot. of course, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. I'm glad that so many agencies are coordinating and, and interested. Yes, and it's nice to see because sometimes we see when a child comes from you know a certain area or mm -hmm. when we see children from marginalized communities go missing, we don't see as much action sometimes. So right. it is nice to see the action in this case. There's something that the community holds called Dulce's Day. Every year, it's a silent march and candlelight vigil mm -hmm. to commemorate the anniversary of the disappearance. Everyone wears yellow because that's the color Dulce was wearing when she went missing. They march by starting at the park, and then they march to Cumberland County Prosecutor's Office and then to the police station. Wow. And the nice thing about this event is there's a lot of events for local children. Mm -hmm. It's all about community building. So wow. I think the police and I think officials in the area— realize they need the community to kind of have buy-in more yeah. to maybe help them right. solve this case. Yeah. Now, I have not heard any updates since this time in September 2021, but I can tell you that there is a reward of up to $75,000 currently. Wow. Now, this is through the FBI, I believe 50000 through the FBI, okay. and then another 25000 from local businesses and organizations. Oh. So this is for any information that leads to the whereabouts of Dulce Maria Alaves. The child was last seen wearing a yellow shirt with a koala on the front, black and white pants with butterflies and flowers on them, and white dress sandals. And you can see pictures online. Um, remember, they went into that Sunoco to get ice cream? Yes. There were uh, videos there, so they, that was the last known image of her. Um, if you have any information concerning this case, please contact the FBI's toll-free tip line at 1-800-CALL-FBI. You can also contact your local FBI office or the nearest American embassy or consulate. Of course, you can also contact the Bridgeton police. Anyone with photos or videos from the park on or around September 16th, 2019 should also contact the FBI. Right. So, Megan, now that we told everyone, you know, what they could do, let's take a moment to talk about really, you know, the theories, just some discussion. We mentioned this a little bit earlier, but when we look at the typology of child abductions, mm -hmm. there's usually a few motives. Mm -hmm. What are they usually? You already mentioned like two of them. Yeah. When there's a stranger abduction, it's usually going to be for a sexual assault, which will be followed by a murder. But, you know, the other ones are custodial, mm -hmm. so parental abductions. Um, there are other abductions whereby someone will take a child because they wanted a child mm -hmm. or they lost a child. And so, you know, they're actually looking yep. to take a child. Yeah, you nailed it. So it's unfortunately sexual motive. And that's yeah. when it's a stranger abduction. 
the most often child abduction is unauthorized removal Mm -hmm. or retention of a minor from Mm -hmm. a parent. So custody issues or maternal desire. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you see it for ransom. Right. Oh, yeah. I forgot the ransom. But that's also a small. Yeah. And there was no ransom Yeah, but I'm case. just saying when we look at yeah. um, different types. Mm-hmm. Now, do we think this was a crime of opportunity or is, you know, is this possible that somebody was kind of staking out the park? I was wondering that. I was thinking about that um, in my head. I was thinking about the other cases that we know. So like, you know, Megan Kanka, mm-hmm. Polly Class, you know, there was a neighbor, there was... So in this case, was she followed? Probably not. I'm going to imagine someone was staking out the park because they're probably a sexual offender and looking for a child. So I don't know. I don't think mm-hmm. it was crime of opportunity. Yes, crime of opportunity in that the opportunity came about. There was a child. Un- unattended. unattended. Lack of a capable guardian. Yeah, you're talking about routine activities yeah, theory course. here to mm-hmm. explain it. So. Yeah, you have a motivated offender, there's no guardian around, and she, unfortunately, Dulce was the suitable target. So that would explain it. And I do think it was a stranger abduction for a sexual assault. Yeah. That's what I think, if I have to speculate. Yeah, it it is possible that, you know, I was thinking about, you know, a little bit about lifestyle theory and Dulce's grandparents took her to that park pretty often. Um, Noema took her to the park sometimes. So could it be someone that had their eye on her specifically? That could be. If it's a small community, could it be someone from within the community who was targeting Dulce and maybe waiting until the right opportunity? I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, who knows? I mean, statistically speaking, the most likely scenario is that she was taken by somebody who knew her or knew the family quite well. That's statistics, but yeah, then know. this is a strain. It seems to me all the indicators point to the much rarer situation, the ones that you hear about, the you know, mm-hmm. the ones the media reports on. And I, I, I think this was a stranger abduction. Or if it's not like a total stranger abduction, mm-hmm. like you said, someone yeah. who maybe knew her and was targeting her, but still not known. I don't think this was a family member or a friend. I, I mean, it was. It, it's very brazen, right? So this, if yeah. this offender is somebody who I think had an urge and they needed to act on that urge immediately, because we're talking broad daylight, yeah, red van, orange shoes, red pants. Like this isn't someone who was trying to be inconspicuous. So I find that interesting as well. And I, you know, the fact that they couldn't find this vehicle. Not, I mean, there's millions of red vans, but it's not like it was like your white utility van. It's not, yeah. you know, so like it. it Unless just seemed... it was an incorrect report. Unless it wasn't actually a red van. Well, maybe there was a red or, van in the area. That doesn't mean it's the one that took Dulce. Absolutely. You know I mean? Yeah. Be, or yeah. the red van was ditched or there's yeah. any number of possibilities. Now, I think there is reason that we should have hope because of people like Elizabeth Smart and J.C. Dugard. That's true. I mean, I mean JC, I just finished reading her memoir. Eighteen years. I mean, yeah. and she was, thank God, found alive. You're talking about rare cases, right? Yes. And then even rarer that after a long time someone's found. But you're it right. happens. It does happen for sure. Listen, I, I would treat it as the police are treating it. There's no evidence at this time to suggest that she is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. So keep pursuing it and and you know, be have that sliver of hope. And I think it's important because when the police are quick to assume that maybe the child has been murdered, they're going to look in different places than if they assume the child is still alive. So it's very important that you consider all possibilities because they, you know, if they spent, they were spending a lot of time like draining waterways Mm -hmm. and obviously draining a waterway, you're assuming a child is deceased. And I think it's okay to look there, but I think it's important to also look where a child would be held captive. I can't believe there's no surveillance in this case. You know, that really bothers me that there's nothing around a school that would show anything. And we're not talking about a long time ago. No, we're not. That's what I find that surprising, I guess. Or no cameras capturing like the van. Well, let's hope the police know more than they're saying. Okay. 
I'm going to go with that, Amy. I hope they know more than they're saying, and I hope they continue the search for this girl. And of course, if you have any information at all, then, you know, you heard where you can contact. And Mm -hmm. I really hope this is one of those cases that we'll be doing an update with some good news sometime soon. I hope so, too. Thank you so much for this case, Amy. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time on Women in Crime. Women in Crime is written and hosted by Megan Sachs and Amy Schlossberg. Our producer and editor is James Varga. Music composition is by Dessert Media. If you enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. You can also support the show through Patreon, where you can get access to additional ad-free content such as virtual happy hours and an extra full-length episode each month. For more information, visit patreon.com slash womenincrime. Sources for today's episode include NJ 101.5, FBI, New York Times, ABC News, The Press of Atlantic City, New York Post, NJ.com, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, NJ.gov, and OJP.gov. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.